I'm what they call a watcher. We can see the future, even if that's not always as simple as it sounds. Tonight, with the jumbo jet crash, there are no reports of survivors. Others are called movers. Just an easy way of saying telekinetic. Much of the building collapsed after about two hours, leaving only a brick wall. Pushers put thoughts in your head and make whatever lie they come up with the truth. They had already begun to control my mind. The president attacked. Sniffs, shifters, shadows, bleeders. It goes on and on. In Division's eyes, we're all just lab rats. Only one problem. We keep dying. I have a new mixer. It's really uh, Are you, it's fancy schmancy. I don't know if you know this, but I have a new mixer and it can just <laughs> fix all audio problems. Oh, you haven't heard? Every time, every time Nico and I go to the bar, he has to tell people about his new mixer. Guys, let me ask about me about it. my mixer. <laughs> uh, I've, I, yeah, no. I've been, anyone with an earshot, I tell them about my mixer and they just are unfazed. No fucking Every clue t- what a mix minus is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You can't make the same joke on two podcasts. I can and I just did. That's why that's why I bought a new mixer for. God damn it. Oh man. Push! What let's talk about push. Push! Push it real good. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> push. 2009. Push. This was Nick's selection. What what failed middle school date was <laughs> this movie playing during Nick? It was another date for sure. Oh my god! <laughs> I can tell you that this might be my favorite era of movies. <laughs> this this time period. Why, dude? Please explain. Well, because they're all so shit, but I loved them when they came out. And I love revisiting them and seeing how shit they are. It's just something about it is delightful. To get straight to it. Um, <laughs> let's do that. Yeah. I would say this this movie is pretty bad, um, but also kind of dope at the same time. <laughs> it's awesome, though, isn't it? Isn't it kind of fucking sick? It's kind of a vibe. No, I'm like, this you is, guys are crazy. This is not a good I movie. I have the notes. That's on my notes. <laughs> you guys are vibes. fucking nuts, dude. This is not a good movie. Stop it. No, I'm agreeing. It's not a good movie, but I was like, you guys, is, it's the vibe. This is a it's got the vibe. You guys rid- crucified me for knowing last week. Vibe. I will not let you do this with push now. Oh, the vibes are right. No, the vibes <laughs> suck, dude. What? This movie's horrible. What are you talking about? I'm might agree with that though. what do you mean there are no, no vibes they're just not this is the oh, music no. video era of action filmmaking no that's it what is i yes awful no that's what i mean it is a punk rocky fucking no, danny it boyle it danny wishes. boyle wannabe stop but no i know no, it's kind of it's kind of like crank it came out around the same time it's got the same stylistic vibe the guy who directed this has directed music videos by the way i imagine so yeah i could have guessed guess what band hit me Little band called Snow Patrol. Snow Patrol. <laughs> if I lay here. The most punk rock fucking band you can think of, right? Would you lie with me? Boy, oh boy, this is a weird movie. This fucking is Snow Patrol, dude. That is not a band I've thought of since fucking Teen Night at the YMCA. That is wow. hilarious. Chasing cars, dude. Like, yeah, there was a lot of that, like, like low-key adult alternative music in this, too. You know what I mean? Then, oh, my like, God. The, 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 the actual score is so bad. Is so bad. It's really not good. But the really low, low guitar, like, bass that they're playing when he's going up the elevator. He's got the two guns. It's just like, what the fuck is this? It's, uh... It's a it's a time and a place kind of movie. It's so dated. Yeah. Um yeah, it's not as cool as it thinks it is. Right. That's, that's the big thing. Um I thought the <laughs> I can't believe I'm talking about this, but the world building, like the lore behind explaining away like who I was so confused <laughs> by like who was who and what was what and why any of this was happening the exposition was horrible <laughs> this was the type of shit that i would have come up with when i was a kid <laughs> as like a story yeah right you know what i mean 
And actually, they did make a comic book, a mini, a comic book miniseries after this movie came out. Yeah, but somehow not based on a comic book. Well, the reality is this this story should have been a comic book. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice, like, if someone that knew how to structure a story like this got a first crack at it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, but this is clearly a guy just flying blind. Like, I'm going to create, I'm going to, like, uh, reverse engineer the next great YA superhero movie. Well, they got Chris Evans fresh off uh, Fantastic Four. Sure and you is. can feel it. <laughs> Boy, can you feel it that he is still. <laughs> he still has some embers on his body he's from being the human torch. He is radiating. I, I got to be honest. Pre-Captain America Chris Evans, though, I just miss him. Um, Don't you miss him? Come on. I, I never knew him. He was well on my radar before Captain America. I was good friends with him. Oh, boy. Were you? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was around. I, which I was always surprised. I'm like, oh, he's, he's doing another superhero thing? Oh, that's not going to work. And then it worked better than, like, anything. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, I don't know. I find him to be, at least in this era, the most boring leading man of all time. I think he's a complete wet blanket. Everything. <laughs> He's awful in Fantastic Four. He's nothing in this. He is completely not, not like anyone on screen is doing anything. It does feature one of my, if not my least favorite cliche in movies, and they still do it to this day. They need to stop fucking doing it. But when you get a 13-year-old acting well, 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 well yeah, beyond well, their- It's Dakota I, I'm, Fanning. I don't though, give like, a shit. It doesn't work. It never yeah. works. I'm sorry. Right. It's like, fuck you. I could punt you and you would die. Shut up. I, I just can't. A classic role reversal. It's just not he actually, She actually brings him into the fold and not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. He's like, she's like the Obi-Wan in this. Yes, yeah. It's like, fuck off. Right. I can't do it. Yes. Yeah, no, this is in the peak of Dakota Fanning doing. This is in the Dakota Fanning era, isn't it? I mean, sure this is. is. I was thinking about this for better or worse. Like, this is our Shirley Temple. You know what I mean? Like, this is our Judy yeah, Garland. I, I do it's know what our, you mean. Yeah, you know, she is the child actor of our oh, generation. No, right? our, our Shirley Temple is Leonardo DiCaprio. I, I wouldn't say that's very, ours. I think he was the era before. Very important. <laughs> I mean, if you remove all of the Disney Channel girls, like if you take out Miley Cyrus and Selena Gomez and everything, like 10 to 13 is when they really, you know, break into the industry. And generally they are playing older types of roles, yeah. right? Like they are playing slightly smarter than the average kid, slightly more mature. I can't stand it. It just, yeah. it's never, right. it never works. <laughs> But like, yeah, I'm thinking back back on it though. Like, gee, she was in a lot of movies that we watched. You know, she was good in those movies. Like, she's great in Man on Fire. She's great in Man on Fire, but she's also playing a kid for the most part in that. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's a good movie. Uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah, she's good in War of the Worlds. Yeah, Yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. No, I think like you know, to the extent that we had a Shirley Temple, I think this is ours. I guess so. It hasn't won an Oscar though. That's the important thing. Shirley Temple got a fucking Oscar. She got an honorary Oscar. An honorary, yeah. Good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Did Judy Garland ever get an Oscar? I believe so. Maybe. I know she didn't win for Star is Born. And I remember that being a bit of a controversy that she didn't win for that. I know she she was nominated for Judgment at Nuremberg, right? It looks like she got Academy Juvenile Award in 1940, Best Supporting Actress in 1962, and Best Actress in 1955. She was nominated or won? Oh, nominated, yeah. Yeah, nominated. Nominated for Judgment at Nuremberg. and uh, Yeah, she only got the award, the Juvenile Award. Star is Born did not win. Jesus. She's really good. That's crazy. She's like, what else can a person do in a movie? <laughs> the problem was the the movie, it's, it was an unfinished movie. So it's like, eh. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's just a chunk in the middle that <laughs> just doesn't exist. It's just like, so well, I was like, well, that's a weird creative decision. What's going on? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, everyone is awful in this movie. There's nobody <laughs> redeemable. Like, and it's bad enough that it doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? It's bad enough that the movie is indecipherable at every turn. It's just, there's no one here with a little bit of juice. Let me ask you, can either of you tell me why it's called Push? That's like the, this movie's version of The Sting. A push is in their world is like, you know, I, I, I manipulated you or I tricked you into it's doing It's like a psyop, right? It's my, like uh, my bidding. Yes. They're incepting a memory into yeah. you. Yeah. So if you watch the trailer for this movie, you'll see Chris Evans pushing things with his powers. It's <laughs> honestly what I thought for like Just 90 seconds. In fact, <laughs> yeah. according to the lore, 
He's not pushing, he's moving. He's a mover. That's right. I was thinking that. I was like, is it called push because they're literally pushing things? We were, I, this, <laughs> and no, in fact, pushing is when you use mind control. Okay. So mind control is push. Pushing is moving. I have it for you right now. I'll read it really quick. Um, different types of abilities in the film are movers that move objects with their minds, as you said, Nick, a fancy term for telekinesis, I think. Pushers control other people's thoughts. Incept memories that didn't actually exist. Watchers can see the future. Bleeders, this is my favorite one personally, emit high-pitched <laughs> screams that can burst blood vessels. <laughs> Which is hilarious Oddly every single specific. time. I mean, they're screaming and glass is shattering and people are surviving. How to explain that shit to I me? Think, don't know. <laughs> the fish blowing up was this shit. That, no, that's what I'm talking about. Like there is no, some this movie has wacky, a vibe. insane bullshit in this movie that is like that chase through through the the, the market is so ridiculous. This is I, the type of movie I would have killed to be on the set of. Oh my god. I'm thinking of people going like this the whole time, just putting out their arms <laughs> to nothing. There's a lot of that. The fish exploding was sick. Yes, it was. The vibes were <laughs> on fleek at that point. <laughs> Sniffs are people that track others and objects by sniffing on them. <laughs> Again, you got to the shot of the guys coming in and just sniffing the clothes. Corey Stoll, a young Corey Stoll is in this like oh. sniffing lipstick. <laughs> So, like, you can go up to an object that's been touched by a person, and by smelling the object... You can track them. Apparently, you can smell a toothbrush and find a kid 10 years later. When, when he's... <laughs> I mean... I, I will admit, when, when he sniffed the toothbrush, I almost turned the movie off. I'm like, I can't do, I can't do this. Sniffing fucking toothbrushes. <laughs> what the hell? The lamest fucking superpower. <laughs> it's not just, like, he's sniffing the lipstick in that scene and being like, ah, oh, we can track you. He sniffs it, and he's like, ah, oh, there's some good shit. <laughs> like... What this the fuck are you getting off on this? times today? <laughs> Christ. Get a lot of that. She must use that like ten times a day. Yeah, that's a keeper. You're not going to be having a lot of lipstick opportunities where you're going, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uh, there's also shifters that temporarily change what an object looks like to other people. Otherwise known as magicians, I guess. <laughs> I like the guy who's just changing his card. Yeah, I know the guy. Cliff Curtis plays a character that, yeah, he's a shifter that just decides to become a close-up magician. You got to admit, when he opens his wallet and pulls out pieces of paper with the 500 scribbled on it and turns it into money. Yeah, that's fun. It's fun, but it's also like really fucking lame. It's like, this is what you're using your powers for? It's like, you're just going to do magic? You know what I mean? Like, if you could actually... Here's the thing. If you were actually magic, you would not become a magician. You know what I, You would not be doing card tricks for people in the bar. You know what I'm saying? Like, you would use your powers for something greater. Why does he need to do anything? He can make it... He can literally make anything and do anything, essentially. Right. I'd, yeah. be, I'd be pretty depressed if I was him, because <laughs> he could kind of do whatever he wants. So he's just doing <laughs> lame magic tricks that, yeah. like, an average novice magician could learn how to do. There's so <laughs> many, like, like, wa like watchers, movers, sniffers. There's also wipers. Spitters. Uh, yeah, wipers. Just, Whoa. <laughs> swallowers. Wipers so can wipe memories. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he, shadows. <laughs> shadows, they cloak themselves and others. Uh from detection from the watchers, I guess. There's a little too much going on for, you know, this There's movie. also Stitchers. Stitch Nick, it's not the podcasting app. It's people that heal or unheal <laughs> other people. So, like, there was this one character, I think played by Maggie Siff from uh, Billions and Sons of Anarchy or whatever, that, like, manipulates Chris Evans' back. Like, he, oh, she, yeah. like, breaks bones in his spine or whatever. and It's, it's super clear that they were envisioning a greater... Uh, cinematic universe for this franchise. Totally. Totally. It's over-expository. There, there's just too much shit, and none of it's particularly interesting. The problem is the movie really kind of just flops back and forth between two modes, which is boring or confusing. 
Yes. <laughs> it's, it's really just <laughs> back and forth between those two. Man, virtually every scene that takes place in inside a hotel room is quite painful. Yes, right. <laughs> quite, there's a lot of them. There is a lot. There's more of them than you would expect in a movie like this. The, yeah. it, the amount of times that we cut to a shot of Dakota fanning shitty drawings was driving me nuts. Yes. Um, the fact that she was using those, like, black papers that you, like, don't you, like, scrape the rainbow into it? Oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, they were trying to use, like, a kid's notebook thing on purpose just to be like, she's so young. But Were you playing with that shit at 13? <laughs> right. I mean. Oh, my God. I the fifth on that one. <laughs> I was playing with a lot of shit I shouldn't have been playing with at 13, if you know what I mean. Still playing with it, my yeah, friend. that's right. <laughs> um, ask I- me about my mixer. <laughs> <laughs> I started, I'm like, is this a sequel to something? It really does kind of feel like a sequel. To, there's just, yeah. there's so no, much. No, I figured it was an adaptation, but then I'm like, there's no way the mythology in a comic book would be this bad. No, <laughs> just, you know, there's no way it would be this incoherent. Th- there's just so much that's not included. I assumed like, no, there's another movie before this, right? It just right. starts. Right. It's a, it, and it also just ends, and yeah. it ends with this tease of, like, Dakota Fanning's mom, who's, like, the architect of all of this. Right. They've yet to cast this actress. They're hoping they can get fucking Helen Mirren or something <laughs> yeah. for this. There's a universe where this is the John Wick franchise of the late aughts. Yeah, no, they, they were trying. They were trying. They were trying really hard. There's a lot of fucking uh, mutants and telekinetic people in this. I, I also love at the start they go... Uh, they're like explaining how all of this began. They go, it all started with the Nazis doing experiments on people. And they go, they tried to turn psychics into weapons. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so it all started with psychics already existing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but they, there's a throwaway line. Bingo. Yeah. There's a throwaway line like, we're just born different. I don't know. That's literally the we're just <laughs> We're born special. We don't ask to be. We just, we just are. are. <laughs> so it's like, why bother explaining how this all started if you don't explain how it all started? It just, just don't. It would have been kind of fun if it, t- if it takes place like maybe in the future, I guess, and they don't explain anything. You just dropped into this obviously fake world where superheroes just sort of exist. Maybe that would have made more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and not started with such a fucking complicated uh, umbrella corporation trying to take people down. I want to point to John Wick and I want to point to Crank because both of those movies don't bother explaining shit. They just let the movie happen. You just fucking get with it. Yes. Well, John Wick, I think, kind of earns the mythology, right? It kind of earns the right to expand the whole history of the continental and the table or whatever, the high table. Here's the thing, though. John Wick starts very small. Right, it's very quaint. Well, it is the smallest stakes you can think of. This movie tries to be John Wick 4 right out the gate. No, but in that movie, like the first one, you just immediately get that, okay, it's just this guy worked for an underground hitman organization. Boom, I get it. And by that simple idea, you can expand and expand. And they have, and they've done so pretty effectively. They left the canvas clear. It's perhaps (laughs) the best example of that in modern memory. Sure, yeah. You know, because it actually does it in the right order, whereas all of these other franchise movies, particularly the superhero movies, how many of these fucking origin stories do we have to watch where they're just setting shit up for future movies? It's like, we got to get all the mythology out of the way. Like, I'm thinking about, like, Captain Marvel from a couple years ago. I didn't see that. They set up the Kree and Skrull rivalry in that, and that's apparently going to become a big part of future TV shows or whatever. And it's like, God, I just don't fucking need this. Like, I just need a guy that I care about, or girl in the case of that movie that I care about, kicking ass for an hour and a half. And... Put all that stuff in there in the tapestry, and then I'll learn about it later. I trust that you'll explain it later. And that's what John Wick does, right? Like, yeah, 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 There yeah, are yeah, some sure. nods to the rules of this universe. There's some nods to, you know, the code of ethics that John, and his history as well. They kind of hint at his history. Yeah. But they don't go overboard. They don't go overboard. Bit, yeah. And then as you make more movies, and as we get, you know, what this universe is all about, like, I'm, all right, I'm ready to learn more, and I'm interested in learning more. As opposed to this movie, where it's like, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know before I'm even interested in what What's happening? Yes. You know? And, and every single hotel apartment scene 
is an exposition dump, and it feels like a fucking exposition totally. dump. Because just the thing, like I, I say this, like exposition is not an inherently bad thing as long as you make it feel like natural to the characters. You need it. You need yes, it. Absolutely. Movies need exposition. But, yeah. but this movie feels like it's just stopping everything it's doing to explain that sniffers are on you. Sniffers could tell that your chicken was touched or whatever the hell was going on in that the scene. The action <laughs> is there to further the exposition yes. not the other way around <laughs> yeah. yes right do you know what i mean yeah the, 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 yeah it almost feels like the action scenes are the connective tissue it, the goal of this movie is not to entertain you it's to teach you about this fucking world that doesn't matter and you don't give a fuck about it <laughs> yeah everything this movie does is just furthering that goal of being like learn about this world i wrote yeah <laughs> it's pretty fucking shit man yeah <laughs> It's pretty bad. <laughs> yes, it's a terrible movie. But I kind of love it. It's it's ah! but it's it's, we- it's weirdly an infectious vibe at times. It's kind of endearing at times. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the the plot here, Nick. If you don't. Mind. Oh sure, okay. Um, we start out with a flashback sequence to our Chris Evans character as a young child, and his dad is basically pulling him and says, "I need you to listen to me, like we're the last two people on the planet." Okay, Nick. Someday, a girl is gonna give you a flower. You got that a flower, and you have to help her, Nick. You help her, and you help us all. Remember that show, Heroes, on NBC. I have. There's a there's a through line. Save the cheerleader, save the world. There's a through line between. Yes, I, I'm aware of the through line because I oh, also good. read the same little blurb as you. But yeah, um, no, it's it's funny because I was watching. I'm like, yeah. The, not a good show, but a fairly popular show for a couple of years. And the, the catchphrase for that show, every commercial was save the cheerleader, save the world. It's like this little girl is the key to everything or the, you know, and that was Hayden Penetier in the show. Oh, And uh, this is Camila Bell <laughs> playing a character named Kira in this one. And um, yeah, she's an absolute nothing. She's nothing. No, it's a bad performance. You think? It's a. It's just. You think? It's kind of bad, dude. You think? It's it's not good. It's terrible. It's she's so bad. <laughs> yeah. So it's just fucking just copycat theater going on over here. Yeah. He- Heroes, uh, Nick. Uh, I'll I'll sorry to step on your. Go for it. Fact, no, no, no. You're good. Yeah. Uh, no. Heroes was the uh, the title that this movie was released under in the Spanish speaking countries. So this is known as Heroes in other countries. And it confused the shit out of them. Sure did. Because the plot is relatively similar. They're two superhero type, superhero adjacent properties. And it's about saving a young telekinetic girl or whatever. And yeah. So confuse a lot of people. Also, by the way, this movie came out just a few months before. uh, Precious. Precious. Yeah. Based on a novel Push by Sapphire. Yeah. So they actually had to rename Precious because of this movie. Right. (laughs) I never saw that movie, Precious. It's all right. Yeah. It's just got the funniest title of all time. And we have this movie to thank for that. Yeah, right? <laughs> Based the novel Pushed by Sapphire was because of, uh, yeah, because of this. Also, I get it confused with Pusher, the I Nicholas am- Winding Refn trilogy. It's a good movie. All those movies are good. So I think, yeah, this movie's legacy might just be how much of a headache its name was. Push. It's such a headache for so many studios and so many lawyers. And I think that, you know, now we just think of it as the movie that's not Pusher or Precious or... Um, or Heroes. Or Heroes, yeah. <laughs> or Jumper. <laughs> so this movie was filmed in Hong Kong, which also, by the way, the Hong Kong film scene, can't, you can't make Hong Kong movies anymore. What does that mean? Means after uh, after the national security law was passed in Hong Kong two years ago, you can't do shit in Hong Kong. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh! I see. Ho- Hong Kong isn't Hong Kong anymore, man. It's oh, gone. Oh, this thing was actually shot in Hong Kong. Yeah, this was a Hong. I mean, half the actors were probably Hong Kong actors. Interesting. Oh, I figured this was just shot in Burbank or something. No, as a matter of fact, this movie uses surprisingly few special effects. The director went out of his way to not use special effects as much as possible. I give the movie that too. Like there's a, there is a noticeable attention to like just like wire work at times, you know. Sometimes sometimes I notice, oh, they actually used a real gun. They just comped out whoever was holding it to the guy's head. That sure, was kind sure, of a sure. neat effect and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. yeah, there's some there's some good stuff. I mean, God bless you, man. Sure. You know, if you feel like you're, you know, doing Kubrickian level work here, then more power to you. You know what I mean? 
Did he put dynamite in the fish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we actually I mean, you know, whatever. I mean, listen, it ain't fucking Christopher Nolan blowing up an actual atomic bomb for Oppenheimer, but, you know, he came pretty damn close. What did he actually do for Oppenheimer? No one knows. They're for being, all I know, there was another Manhattan Project. They're being very, like, weirdly hush-hush <laughs> about they're it. They're being very which, vague. Which makes me think he did actually. Yeah, no one just said a word. It's like, I get, pretty soon we're going to find a fish with a third eyeball, and, like, what the hell? happen he's saving the Oppenheimer this production he's saving this for the movie he's gonna be like guys you'll see what I actually did when you watch the movie <laughs> one of the cool parts about this movie too I guess was that they kind of filmed the whole thing like guerrilla style like they had to use hidden cameras and stuff for a lot of it yeah and apparently in particular there's a kidnapping scene that they filmed where there was no noticeable film crew they had like a hidden camera in a car and a girl was being kidnapped at gunpoint and no passers-by reacted or did anything about it oh my god that's that's how it goes. they just like they just let this girl get kidnapped in the streets of hong kong yeah that's this is like a step away from being borat this movie you know what i mean like, <laughs> i love that in, in any movie where it's like something horrible is happening and no no one in the city is doing anything they're sure. just like they, they're there's that great shot in Gremlins 2, where um, Dick Miller is being attacked by a flying gremlin on the streets, and people are just like, oh, go away. They're not reacting to the fact that there's a gargoyle attacking a man. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, no, it's that idea that, like, right, the, the stuff in movies is nothing compared to the daily grind of living in a city. You know, literally right. the stuff of, like, science fiction, you know, and horror is nothing compared to what you see on the subway. That's true. They're like, I live in New York City. I, you know, whatever. I, nothing could surprise me anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, apparently this movie, the, the location of Hong Kong was chosen, according to the director, because of the movie Casablanca. What? <laughs> Just elite director bullshit right there. Uh, <laughs> right? Just fucking top He says Hong Kong, Hong Kong was the modern day Casablanca. What the actual fuck is he even talking about? The den of scoundrels. Hell yeah, dude. What a fucking <laughs> bullshit artist. I'm back in on this guy. What's his name? Paul, Paul McGuinn? Paul McGuinn. Yeah. McGuinn. He made uh, Lucky Number Slevin. He sure did. Fuck yeah, he did. <laughs> I'm back in on this guy, dude. That is unbelievable bullshit. Oh. That is such a bold-faced fucking lie. I love it so much. The Russo brothers, every time the fucking Russo brothers make a movie, and they're like, actually, we're making a Pakula-esque espionage Cold War film when we make Captain America. Fuck off, dude. How about this guy right. making Casablanca on the set of Push? <laughs> I'm sure Fuck it had nothing yeah, to do with bro. all of the Chinese money. Oh, oh yeah. Man. yeah. This guy's the best. <laughs> this guy rules. Uh, Nico loves a dirt bag. I love a delusional scumbag. Oh, man. I love it. Yeah. Oh, and, man. Dude, nobody okay. reads a room worse than a director. You know what I mean? And you'd think they'd be good at it. But there's no one worse than a fucking director. The, dude, the Russos, when they made they made the end game, they were like, yeah, yeah this is kind of like our out of sight. Don't they do, they do that for like every movie. They draw a parallel to an absolutely ridiculous <laughs> other film. No relation. <laughs> out of sight. And then the whole movie is just a purple man looking at his rocks. Basically. And it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I. That's the best. It's fucking Casablanca. It's the last movie I would ever think of. This movie has nothing in common. Dude, this thing has more in common with like a fucking with like a with a car than a than Casablanca. Like the fact that they're movies, like they barely have that in common. I this is nothing like my god, Casablanca. Jesus Christ. <laughs> What a fucking dirtbag! What a moron! Oh shit! This movie fucking rules. Dude. <laughs> yeah, it does. I'm in. It's a great movie. He hasn't worked since this, right? He's done actually. Television. He's he's done a lot of TV, yeah, a, lot a lot of TV, of TV episodes. I Did some Sherlock so. and stuff like that. So I guess the last movie he made was called Victor Frankenstein. What? Yep, I recall that he yep. made that thing, yeah. and that's with Radcliffe and James McAvoy. 
written by the great Max Landis. Holy shit, you are correct. Yep. Yeah, Andrew Scott's in it too from Sherlock. Yeah. That movie uh, looked like complete dog shit. Wow. He's had a decent little career. Not, I guess. Not horrible. <laughs> Listen, he made Casablanca. You can hang it up, my modern, dude. Modern retelling. I would trade places with him in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This screenwriter, by the way, David Borla. Yeah, did nothing ever again. Looks I like. Mean, let's be real. He was mostly a camera operator oh, before this. Weird. Um, and yeah, he wrote. This is the last movie he wrote. Well, I'll, just t- I'll just tell you the last thing here. Channing Tatum. Oh, yeah. Originally supposed to be the Chris Evans character. Uh, okay. A better movie. Fine. <laughs> I mean, and not like it's a good movie. It's probably still very bad, but like at but least they, he's something. Well, we needed some perspective because Channing Tatum in 2009, I don't know if I fully agree with that. What the fuck was he doing back then? Not much. Not much that was all that like, good. Did anybody even know Channing Tatum's name in 2009? The thing about Evans, it's like his dullness is what's weaponized in the captain america movies that's the whole point it's like who is the empty suit that i can make a symbol for american patriotism i think for the most part he's okay as captain america and i think like the movies kind of lose sight of that original intention you know like the first movie i think is still one of the best marvel movies just because it's like very clear-eyed about what it is um but yeah, like he is so good in that role because he is nothing, because he's just an average soldier, right? Yeah. Uh, that that becomes this symbol for something. It's like, you know, what if Rosie the Riveter wasn't actually that special of a person? Sure. You know what I mean? What if Uncle Sam was just a fucking dude with a beard and a hat? You know? <laughs> <laughs> fucking dude with a beard and a hat. And that is kind of an interesting <laughs> idea, you know? Yeah. Uh, but here, I mean, God, I need a little something, something here. A little bit of juice. Can you deliver one line? I, I don't think Chris Evans is, he's, he's never really had it beyond like his use in um, um, Captain America. Cause I mean that gray man. Oh yeah. Ooh, he's not good on that. I mean, again, another algorithm movie yeah, by mean, the Russo brothers again. Totally. Yeah. Man, are they, do they love drones in that movie? Holy shit. I think that's kind of why he works in Scott Pilgrim because he's kind of hateable, but not like he's not a super villain. I like him as a douche, yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's he's a he's a good I mean, he's good at knives out for that reason. Yeah. I yeah. okay, there's yeah, actually yeah. a good one. I think he's actually pretty good. Yeah. He's someone who is like perfectly hateable without having to be like uh stealing the show. Punchable a, face. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think when he's a sleazebag, he's good. I like him also in um in Snowpiercer. I think he's pretty good in Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love that, that movie. That's yeah. Okay. I love that movie too. You know? So I think he can be good if utilized right. It's just like can't put him in everything. He's not. Yeah. He can't be fucking James Bond. You know what I mean? Like, and th- this movie <laughs> demands a character like that. Sure. You know, in the absence of a compelling script, at least give me one compelling actor. It seems like they wanted Dakota Fanning to play that role sure. here. Sure. Yeah. sure. And I think she just couldn't deliver. Or the like Adam said, the trope was just so overused that it falls and they were also so sure camila bell was gonna be the next megan fox you know what i mean yeah and like who right (laughs) first of all i had no idea who she was me neither no i think this is like her only notable role right she maybe did a couple things after this she did Ten Thousand bc as well oh god wonderful roland emmerich a great movie nico (laughs) (laughs) holy crap Uh, uh yeah no she is worse than bad in this she's so awful yeah like when she does the heel turn or like the fake heel turn the the, the double reversal at the end oh where my God. she pretends to be the bad guy and she does like the menacing bond speech the bond villain speech oh my like there's no menace no sex appeal i remember never happened We met for the first time yesterday. You've never been to Coney Island. (laughs) Nobody's been to Coney Island. I used you, Nick. Now, the quicker we find that case, the quicker I'll let you forget it. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Let's go. (laughs) Go the plot. We're still doing a (laughs) plot. I don't want to do the plot, guys. I don't have to. I mean, I don't know. I'll try try to yada yada it real quick, Adam. I'll try to get through it real quick. 
There's a fucking girl that this division, which is the government agency that controls these people, is after. It's just called division. Why are it's all the names the division, so fucking yeah. generic? Not, no, it's not the division. It's just division. Division. Okay. There's no the. Okay. If you say so. I d- and I do. The movie okay. says so. So division is going after I just want to emphasize some... how stupid the name is. That's all. <laughs> division is going after a girl. Yeah. Turns out the girl is uh, Chris Evans' girlfriend. Right. Who went missing, and he just never thought to look for her. Sure. Um, there's a MacGuffin, which is a suitcase, which has a syringe in it. The case. Holy shit. I just want to talk about the case and how many times they say the case. It is this movie's counselor. It is everywhere (laughs) in this movie. Roger Ebert spent like five paragraphs on the fucking briefcase in his review. His whole review is about the briefcase. (laughs) We have to get the case. We must find the case. You know, it's the most MacGuffin-y of all MacGuffins, first off. It's so fucking on the nose that it's kind of offensive. (laughs) No, it's like Tarantino literally tore this to shreds 15 years earlier. That's right. Like, he literally put the suitcase thing to rest. It's like, all right, guys, this is the dumbest MacGuffin that's ever been in a movie, and it's a suitcase, and it means nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyone that even thought to put a suitcase in a movie after Pulp Fiction should feel ashamed of themselves. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. 100%. But here it is, unironically, in this superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, supposedly in the suitcase is a syringe with some fucking drug that can help make psychic powers stronger. Which, by the way, by all accounts from what I can see from this movie, those powers do not need to be stronger. <laughs> I mean, we have nuclear level powers and we're like, ah, how do we amp this up to fucking 11? They're plenty what? strong. Right. What is the fucking point? They're plenty strong. So they want to amp them up so they can build their army of super soldiers, essentially. But every time one of the the kids gets injected, they die. Yep. So it has a 0% survival rate or 0.0001% survival rate because this one girl survives the injection. This would be like a government agency who's like, we're doing a test to see if we inject children with, um, you know, a liter of fentanyl. Sure. If they'll, <laughs> if they'll have an IQ of 500. But they all keep dying. It's right. not working. Yeah, why, why was this not shut down in the beta stage? You know what I mean? How did this get this? How do we know that it works? I think there's an actual line in the movie that is like, we've tried this on thousands of people and she's the only one who survived. Yeah, so like, how, like, how do you know this is an effective thing? Why, why are you doing this? We've shot 1,000 people in the head just <laughs> yeah, looking just for who, who's strong enough to survive the bullet <laughs> wound to the point. brain. Because... <laughs> We must have our superhuman freaks. Yeah, you're so right. Like, wouldn't it just be better to keep them alive and to use the powers? Like, is it a bird in the hand kind of worth two in the bush in this situation? <laughs> right. Or a thousand in the bush, I guess, because you've killed all of them. You're killing thousands of soldiers to amplify their power by, what, 10%? Like, basically. Yeah. And, yeah, I guess the big twist is the girl he's trying to save is a pusher. She can manipulate people's memories and... To get around the mind readers, he writes on envelopes instructions for his plan for everybody and then erases his own memory. He's like, none of us will know the plan and that'll stop the mind readers from knowing our plans. We know there's a suitcase with a division drug in it. Kira hid it somewhere in Hong Kong. Can you draw us a way out of this? We can't change anything with that bitch tracking us. The second we do, she's going to see it. What do you mean? She sees intentions, what we decide to do. I decide to cross the street so she sees me crossing the street. What if nothing we did made sense? We just kept changing our mind. We didn't know exactly what we were going to do. Would that throw her off? It might, but we still have to find the case. So we should mention that there are some dueling factions that are going for this MacGuffin, right? There are really three major bodies going for this. Yeah, there's the good guys. Right, yeah, there's (laughs) the good guys, of course. Yeah, there's Division that is also comprised... It's a shadowy government organization, but it's also comprised of these mutant sidekicks. Yes. You know, so it's... You know, they're not, like, doing tests on, you know, these mutant children. They are actually themselves, you know, testing on themselves, right? Uh, then there's also this family, this this Chinese family, or I guess uh, from Hong Kong. Um, what is the term for someone born in Hong Kong? A Hong Konger. Yeah, no, well, we get canceled for like, yeah, probably, right? Like we Hong Kongers? can never go to China. No, we only get canceled if we call Taiwan a country. Ah. But Hong Kong they're okay with? What do you mean? Like China. Yeah, Hong Kong's always been a part, well, not always, but it's a part of China. It's always been a part of China since like 1950 or some shit. Yeah, but there's like some, okay. 
It was called One Country, Two Systems. It was supposed to right, have a... Right, 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 right. Yeah, but now it's One Country, One System, and we're going to attack Taiwan. So all the That's, Hong Kongers are okay with us saying they're part of China? I, yeah. Okay. I think so. Just checking. It was part of China. It was just part of it, but separate. Got it. Hong Kong was the capitalist business central of China, essentially. Right. It was the one part of China that was allowed to run as like an unfettered democratic capitalist society. Yeah, but didn't they just like, wasn't there a whole thing where they wanted independence a couple years ago? Wasn't there a whole protest over that? It was against an extradition bill. Yeah, and the GM of the Rockets got fired because he supported the Hong Kong protesters. Yeah, so the extradition bill was a bill going through the Hong Kong democratically elected legislature. Yeah. To allow mainland China to extradite people in Hong Kong for crimes. Correct. But they still had a democratic legislature that they elected. But then the um, after the extradition bill, they passed the national security law, which essentially just made Hong Kong a part of China now. That's the long and short of it. Okay. Um, Anyhow. <laughs> hope we answered all of your geopolitical questions in this podcast about the 2009 film Push. It's really helping with my understanding of Push. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. So there's this family from Hong Kong that is also pursuing this briefcase for some unknown reason, right? Well, they want to be as powerful as the division. It's a upper hand against division. This crime family, you mean? Yeah, they're like a crime syndicate who also have powers. Yeah, sure. Okay. And one of the daughters, the daughter of the family, is one of these, what do they call them? Seers? Watchers. Watchers. There you go. Watchers that can see the future. And (laughs) I hate these names. I'm all in on the lore, Adam. It's just so, their names are so bad. Anyway, to slip under the radar of this um, watcher, right? Yes. To slip under the radar of this watcher, uh, the characters, our heroes realize that um, they're, they're, well, okay. I, okay. So this is actually what it is. Right. So, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's struggling so bad. I am. Like flop sweating now. <laughs> My mixer threw me off. Uh, <laughs> so here. <laughs> I'm losing it. <laughs> the watchers and the seers and the movers are moving hey the movers. Yeah, everybody shut up. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It's not normally like this. It's just my mixer. I'm, normally, it's normally I can give it some time. Give you it go, some what time. What happened to your mixer last weekend? Tell me all about it. <laughs> I heard you had some drama with your mixer. Just give me a few minutes. I swear. <laughs> Uh, so this movie gets around the time travel paradox in, I wouldn't say an effective way, but an interesting way. How about that? Right. These people can see the future, but they can also change it in real time. Basically talking about it has the ability to potentially change it. But also sometimes it doesn't. And my reading of it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the watchers are able to read people's intentions before they make a particular decision. I don't know about that because like she gets the vision in the marketplace and all she gets a vision of is like a guy's tattoo. Yes. And like a, a woman's face or, and and from that she's like we're under attack. Like Yeah, I the tiger is another thing. It's just a, a meaningless a image fucking at first. pointless yeah. bullshit, yeah. There is some of that, but this plot is hatched at the end to, you know, essentially write notes to everyone involved in the heist, in the Ocean's 11 style heist that happens. Chris Evans' character writes everyone notes, including himself, then erases his memory. So, before they complete every step of the heist, they open the envelope. So they have no prior knowledge of what they're about to do until the moment that they do it. And the idea is to take all of the certainty out of every decision that they make to make it more random because the watchers are only able to see their intentions. They're not able to, um, you know, see the future without the, you know, a person making a conscious choice. So I think that's kind of interesting, right? Your reading of it though, is the only way that it makes sense, but I'm not sure the movie justifies that reading. No, I mean, yeah, the movie doesn't make any sense. You're giving the plot a little more credit than it deserves. No, but I think it's interesting. Like there isn't like there's no time travel. There's no actual seeing the future because that paradox of like, if I know what, if the future is going to happen, can I actually change it? And you know, it creates that time loop. No, what they're actually doing is reading minds 
And, you know, like what's that scientific term entropy in the universe, right? Like, sure. Like they're able to reduce the entropy in the universe by, does that make sense? No. Isn't entropy like randomness? Isn't that the term, the scientific term? No, entropy is the idea of like decay. Like everything is eventually going to stop. What's the term? Nolan used a term in something. I don't remember what it was, but I, I got the term from somewhere. Entropy he uses in tenant. Okay. Yeah, basically they can they can read the most likely next outcome. Right. As opposed to the actual what is going to happen. Yes. So and I think and the movie kind of uses time travel or like prophecy as a shorthand, but what they're actually doing is reading people's minds and then deducing what's going to happen next based on that. And so therefore, if a person exerts enough free will over a situation, they can change the future. I think that's something it's a decent workaround. It is not well articulated. It is not well executed. The movie still fucking sucks. But that one idea, I'm like, oh, you know, I've never seen that before. And you've gotten around a problem that has haunted so many time travel movies before it. You know? When he had a gun to the bad guy's head and the bad guy said, you think I haven't seen this ending before? I know how this is going to go. He should have just pulled the trigger and been like, yeah, well, man, now you don't. Like, <laughs> exactly. Sure. No, but he didn't intend to. That's the point. You know what I mean? He had no intention of pulling the trigger. But he could have. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't going to. He didn't have a fucking person in that room at that moment, though, telling him the future. He just somehow knew it from like days before or something. I I, I was also confused. Uh, Jimon Hinsu, by the way, plays... The, the bad guy, the head of division. Yes. And he just lets Chris Evans go at one point because Dakota Fanning talks him into it, essentially. And none of that makes any sense to me. Um, so bottom line, pretty fucking sick movie, though. Yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> it's my favorite movie we've done on this pod. Fucking sick it's movie. Sick movie. <laughs> Dude, when she tells the guy, you had a brother, you loved him very much, and you know who murdered him, and it's the guy's partner, and she tricks him into killing his own partner. Yeah, that's another like, decent idea. I kind of like yeah. that. Yeah. And then later, the guy's like offhandedly like, I want to just make sure you don't also believe in some sister you never had. And the guy's like, I never had a sister? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Corey Stoll's death scene is cool because Jimon Hinsu, he's like, oh, you're so sure that you're not under the manipulation of false memories. So then why don't you take the gun out of your, your pocket, put it to your mouth and pull the trigger? Because he psyops into him, essentially, that he unloaded the gun several hours beforehand. Right. So he just shoots himself. And you kind of see it in the background. There's no blood because it's a PG-13 movie. No. Um, but, yeah, Jimon Hensu's just walking away very casually and doesn't even acknowledge They're having the a conversation while he does it to you. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good scene. Little moments like that, sure. Yeah. Not devoid of interesting, fun ideas here and there. Jimon Hinsu, by the way, off of two Best Supporting Actor nominations. <laughs> like, this, this is two <laughs> years after Blood Diamond. Like, <laughs> he is... I don't see him in enough anymore. Last time I can I remember seeing him was Guardians 1. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny enough. Yeah, no, he was like a guy in the late 90s, early 2000s, a you know foreign actor, and it's like, from Africa. It's like, where did this guy come from? Yeah. You know, like a Christoph Waltz kind of guy. Yeah, that's true, yeah. You know? This movie was just badly written, badly cast, and badly directed. But <laughs> yes. besides all of that, it's pretty fucking sick, though, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. You know what's <laughs> sick? The, the bamboo tower is pretty sick. Yeah, that was cool. The, all the impaling by bamboo at the yeah. end, that's good. That's good shit. Isn't it kind of sad, though, when you watch a movie that has, like, moments, and you're like, damn, there's there was, like, potential. Yeah, Dakota Fanning gets drunk. Hello? Where's the chicky chicky who gets us all killed? Are you drunk? Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't know the procedure for stopping the Blitz 10-year-old. I'm 13, and I am powering my use. I, I can't believe this. I am working. Definitely needs to be written better and directed better, like you said. It needs that edge to be, like, fully punk rock. I, I guess if Matt Vaughn made it, maybe, I guess. Even then, though. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, okay. I, don't know. I guess. Get rid of half the superpowers, please. Bring this shit down to, like, a fucking followable plot. They need someone to manage this lore. <laughs> they need a lore guy. <laughs> Just simplify it. Yeah. This movie came out February 6th, 2009, Nick Evangelista, on that fateful date night in middle school. <laughs> <laughs> cost 38 million dollars to make only gross 10 million dollars its opening weekend went on to gross 48 worldwide 
considered a bit of a box office bomb, critically did much worse than even that. Mm-hmm. Open to number six at the American box office. Not great, considering it's also February. <laughs> <laughs> Behind, he's just not that into you at the number one spot. Here, here was actually th- this is this this is the bad news for your for your uh, beloved push here, Nick. Uh, taken was in its second weekend. Ooh, oh, I didn't know that. That's rough. Yeah, and that was, yeah, that was kind of the the death blow. I probably saw Taken like the night before or some shit. This was in the age where I was seeing every fucking movie in theaters, <laughs> wow. like every night. Coraline's at number three. The Pink Panther two coming in at number four, and. Paul Blart Mall Cop in its fourth weekend, just kicking ass. (laughs) Just one of the great January success stories of all time. Paul Blart Mall Cop. That movie really did well when it came out. Hanging around at number five, all did better than Push in its opening weekend. I have not seen Paul Blart Mall Cop. What? Feels like an iconic piece of American cinema now. Just, yeah, a piece of Americana, really. (laughs) But I have not seen it, yes. I think it was a good movie when it came out. I don't know if it holds up. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, I saw it in the theater. Absolutely. It was funny. I remember seeing it in theaters and really liking it. It was funny. When they made the sequel, it was like, okay, the joke is over. You don't need to do this. I did not see the sequel. Yeah, no, same, because, like, the joke was done. Yeah. But. I mean, he's a mall cop. Did he trip and stumble a lot? Sure did. Yeah. Wow. Sure did. Believe he it. failed being a police officer. That's like the whole. Right. Yeah. He was uh, bad at his job. He's kind of like the, the Clouseau of mall cops. You could say that. Okay. <laughs> you could say that. <laughs> yeah. God, I loved it as a kid. <laughs> I really did. I loved it. I'm excited for Jumper next week. <laughs> yeah. Stop. No. No. Yeah. We are not doing that. We are switching Hayden Christensen. Gears. We Hayden are Christensen. switching Come ears. On. Come on. Give Anakin a chance. We are getting out of the year 2009. We're not doing it's, this it's anymore. It's time to do Jumper. This is my favorite year. Come on. We can't leave it. Jumper, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Fucking <laughs> Jumper, baby. Go. I love that shit. <laughs> Let's go. Honestly, Jumper was just the seventh superpower that didn't fit into push. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and they just... Put it in its own film. Teleporting. Oh, man. Maybe. Oh, God. We're going to do jump. Let's think about it. But, like, you get one more, Nick, okay? A jumper. That's it. Yeah. I've been begging for this for years jumper. to do these movies. Right. We will do Jumper and then we're done. We're done. I'm done after And then that. we will put to rest <laughs> Nick's favorite year in American <laughs> cinema. 2009. Okay. Oh, man. This is right after I saw The Dark Knight and I learned what movies could really do. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> we hit our peak here oh my uh, god alright uh, we love you. see you next week take it easy